Happy, healthy, and prosperous singles become happy, healthy, and prosperous spouses. The key to becoming happy, healthy, and prosperous is to own your singleness. The Live and Love Pillars help you do just that, and they are the guiding framework for Live and Love Enrichment. I am so excited to dive into that with you, so let's get started. Welcome to the Own Your Singleness Podcast. I'm your host, life coach, and relationship educator, Jessica Hutton. And every week on the show, we are going to talk about all things related to living and loving well. Specifically, we will talk about how to own your singleness, overcome barriers to creating a life you love, and how to nurture healthy relationship patterns that will enable you to get, keep, and love quality men and relationships that could lead to marriage. Happy, healthy, and prosperous individuals become happy, healthy, and prosperous spouses. It's true. Individuals who own their singleness enjoy greater life satisfaction and overall well-being. Several studies indicate that people who are happy with their lives regardless of their relationship status experience greater levels of life satisfaction. One particular study indicates that married people are happier, but that's because happier people are more likely to find a partner. The study also lets us know that it's not being single per se, but a person's satisfaction with it that influences their well-being. Ultimately, our life satisfaction and well-being is influenced by our perceptions. Specifically, individuals with higher internal locus of control tend to enjoy greater life satisfaction and well-being because they believe they have the freedom of choice, autonomy, and the ability to make their lives whatever they want them to be. So for them, regardless of why they're single, They can still enjoy their lives and be happy because they choose to make the most of it. People with a lower internal locus of control, and especially individuals with an external locus of control, tend to struggle with singleness. Unlike the high focus, these people are upset because their perceived lack of choice regarding their relationship status. Their negative feelings are exacerbated when they blame their singleness on factors outside their control. So according to the research, the happiest singles are those who are single by choice and people who decide to own their singleness regardless of the reason they're single. That said, it's vital for individuals to learn how to live well and thrive while they're single, which is why I came up with the Live and Love Pillars. So what are the Live and Love Pillars? I explore the Live and Love Pillars in depth in my book, Own Your Singleness, How to Live Well and Thrive While You're Single So You Can Love Well and Thrive in Your Future Marriage. For a limited time, You can get a Kindle version of the book on Amazon for $2.99. So don't delay because this sale won't last long. Anyway, I developed the Live and Love Pillars as a framework to help individuals increase the quality of their lives and relationships. The pillars are based on my experiences with life and love, and they were also informed by my research. What I've learned is that by living well in your singleness, it increases your capacity to live and love well in your romantic relationships before and after getting married. That's because your future marriage will reflect how you live in your single season. As I stated earlier, married people are happier, but that's because happier people tend to find partners. And it's no wonder because nobody wants to be with a Debbie Downer, Negative Nancy, or Pouty Paula. No, we all want to be with someone that we can enjoy life with. We want to be with someone who makes us laugh who encourages and inspires and motivates us. We want to be with people who exude love and kindness and generosity. So if you're sick of being single, 
then it's time to make yourself more approachable by owning your singleness. And so you can do that with the four love pillars. Those pillars are the faith pillar, the life satisfaction pillar, the well-being pillar, and the relationship readiness pillar. The faith pillar emphasizes spiritual growth and strengthening your relationship with God. When you acknowledge God as the source of your life and everything you need to experience fulfillment, that's when your life has great meaning. Faith is foundational to living and loving well. Faith is made of the values, beliefs, spiritual principles, precepts, and promises that influence the way we make decisions. Faith also informs the desires of our hearts. To build our faith, we must embrace spiritual disciplines such as fasting, prayer, Bible study, and devotional time with God. It's important for Christians to have a solid and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can enjoy solid and intimate relationships with other people, especially our spouses. That's because the overall purpose of marriage is to reflect Christ's love. But if we don't love Jesus and we find it difficult to receive his love, then it's going to be very challenging to love our partners in the way that God intended. And more than being able to cultivate a stable, satisfying, and sustainable marriage that lasts a lifetime, faith is fundamental to the Christian lifestyle. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, do we really even believe in the God that we claim to serve? So it's important to apply the faith pillar to your life before all the other pillars so that you can live and love well. In the Bible, in um, Ecclesiastes, it says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And regarding a marriage, it says two are better than one, right? But when you think about it, the threefold cord is you, your spouse, and Jesus Christ. It's not easily broken because Jesus is the, is the foundation and the focal point of your marriage. Without him, without the faith pillar in your life, then you can be easily broken. It's no wonder that even Christians suffer with the world in having 40 to 50% divorce rate. Because when it's all said and done, we divorce because we haven't made Jesus Christ the foundation and focal point and thus the, the force that enables us to stay well, stay together and to sustain and to be stable and satisfied in our relationships. So even though it seems like the faith pillar is just some generic thing that we can kind of dismiss or maybe we think, oh, I read the Bible sometimes. I pray every once in a while. I watch Steve Furtick on YouTube. It's more than that. It really is about having a relationship with Christ. And so while you're single, you want to learn how to be stable, satisfied and sustainable in yourself, in Christ. He came so that we may live and have abundant life. And that life is holistic. It's all encompassing. And so the reason it's imperative to learn how to own your singleness and embrace the faith pillar in your walk is because that's going to enable you to sustain when things are challenging in your marriage. It's going to enable you to love. It's going to enable you to exude the love of Christ. It's going to enable you to serve and satisfy your partner. And that's really what you want, right? That's what I want. I want to serve and satisfy my man until heaven. So meditate on that. The next one is the life satisfaction pillar. The life satisfaction pillar asserts that you can increase the quality of your life and improve your mindset by learning active contentment. Active contentment is the ability to be completely at peace with who you are and what you're doing in the moment while simultaneously maintaining a vision for your future. It helps you recognize and appreciate the purpose of your current season of life which then enables you to patiently undergo the process of getting where you want to be. As a result of that recognition and appreciation, you'll be able to maintain a sense of hope and expectation for your future. 
you'll be able to be happy and make the most of your life regardless of your relationship status, which is really what owning your singleness is all about. So when you live well, that is live intentionally, victoriously, and excellently, you prime yourself to receive and experience many great and unexpected things. While working on my book, I learned that many people who focus less on their relationship status and more on living well, that is in purpose and on purpose, those people ended up meeting their future spouses at unexpected times and in unexpected ways. You cannot manipulate the times and seasons, but you can certainly own them. And when you do, God is going to surprise you in ways that you couldn't even imagine. I always say that purpose positions you. When you know what your purpose is, when you're living in purpose and walking on purpose, you get positioned for God to do extraordinary things in your life. The best thing I can reference is Esther 4.14, where Mordecai implores her to consider the position that she was in as queen because the Jewish people needed to be saved or they were going to die. The king had released an edict for the people to be killed. And Mordecai remind her, you are in this position. And do you think this position is going to save you? Because you are Jewish just like us. How do you not know that you have been positioned for such a time as this? And the thing about it is, our life satisfaction is important. Living intentionally, victoriously, and excellently is important because that glorifies God. You know, we are supposed to live well. But more than that, or in addition to that, I would say, is that when you live well, you position yourself for great opportunities. Those opportunities can lead you to the thing that leads you to the thing that leads you to the person. You don't know if you've been positioned in that job, in that relationship, in that friendship, you know, for such a time as this. So you must walk in purpose, be purpose-minded, live a purpose-filled life because that's how God does his work. Genesis 24 talks about Rebecca, how she became Isaac's wife. She didn't do anything special. All she did was live her life. Ruth was just living her life. And then because of that, they were positioned to marry extraordinary men that changed generations with them when they united in holy matrimony. The same is true for Esther. That changed the entire trajectory for the Jewish people. So it's important to have great life satisfaction. It's important to nurture your life satisfaction because when you walk in purpose, God positions you to fulfill his will in your life, which is a good and perfect will when you love him, when you're called according to his purpose. So for real, own it. The next pillar is the well-being pillar. The well-being pillar asserts that investing in your personal development is the key to living a vibrant and fulfilling life. The people with a higher internal locus of control tend to have greater well-being. Well-being is the holistic experience of health, happiness, and prosperity, whereas life satisfaction is the degree to which a person determines how positively or negatively they feel about their quality of life. Well-being is a degree to which a person believes they can experience a good quality of life and achieve happiness, health, and prosperity. Well-being, like life satisfaction is a subjective assessment of happiness. However, it can also be influenced by external factors such as the degree to which a person can access resources and services like adequate food, clean water, healthcare, hygiene, and employment, stuff like that. So when you assess your personal well-being, 
you will evaluate how much you perceive your life as a happy, healthy, and prosperous life. And you may also consider whether you have access to services and resources that help you enjoy a happier, healthier, and more prosperous lifestyle. However, most people don't examine external factors like that because it's implied. The idea is like, for example, if you can't access healthcare, then you're probably not as healthy as you'd like to be. If you don't have a job and you feel like you can't get a job, you're probably not as happy as you can be or would like to be. So when we think about the external factors of well-being, it's usually social workers like myself and other helping professionals who are more likely to measure those external factors. But it's important for you to be aware of those things because it does influence the quality of your life. And you need to know how to access resources and services that help you take care of yourself. That's why... You know, I like to emphasize holistic well-being, holistic life satisfaction. You can't compartmentalize yourself. You need to attend to the needs of your spirit, soul, and body. And so when you read the chapters on life satisfaction and well-being and on your singleness, you'll learn more about that and how you can improve those domains in your life. So for our purposes on this podcast, I want to emphasize psychological well-being. Psychological well-being is a degree to which you feel equipped and empowered to create your dream life, experience quality relationships, achieve all your personal goals, and have success regardless of environmental factors and your relationship status. As I said, it's important to own your singleness with the understanding that happy, healthy, and prosperous individuals become happy, healthy, and prosperous spouses. So the well-being pillar is super important. When I think of the well-being pillar, I think about the factors that generally lead to divorce. So divorce is preventable. And I say that it's preventable because there's plenty of research that shows what cultivates marital satisfaction, right? So if you know what makes marriages work, and if you're aware of the reasons that people tend to divorce, then you can take proactive measures, especially in your singleness, to counteract those things. So well-being comes into play here, I think, because it's about addressing your needs. If you don't have the things that you need, the spiritual things and the material things that you need while you're single, it may add stress to your marriage that you don't you don't necessarily need to take into your marriage. So you do need to examine the kind of baggage that you have. You need to examine the assets and liabilities, if you will. I don't want to make it sound so formal, but we all come with assets and liabilities. So before you marry someone, you want to consider things such as your financial well-being. How am I economically? Do I have enough money to sustain myself? Am I in a position to meet my needs? Can I do some of the things I want? Do I have an emergency fund? What kind of debt do I carry? How are my financial decisions going to impact my marriage? And the same is true with your your health. Am I healthy? What kind of chronic illnesses do I have? Do I need mental health care? Am I able to self-manage? Do I have emotional intelligence? All these things are things that you need to consider because they're going to impact the quality of your marriage. They're going to impact your level of life satisfaction. Sexuality. How do you feel about sexuality? What are your experiences with sexuality? Are there is there issues of trauma that you need to be healed from that need to be addressed? Do you have any other traumatic issues that need to be addressed? What what is the state of your emotional and mental well-being and health? All those factors influence marital satisfaction and there are many other signs 
that you can look for that are signs that could indicate your relationship is at risk for divorce. But don't look at that as an inevitable fact. Look at it as information that you can use to help you become better and to do better. I address that on my blog, 12 Signs Your Relationship is Headed for Divorce Before It Starts. And I know it sounds very cynical, but my point is to highlight the primary reasons based on research that people end up divorced and then provide information, tools, and resources that you can use to prevent that while you're single. And if you address your well-being and really own your singleness, I think that you can counteract divorce so that it doesn't become a fact for you, so that it doesn't become your truth. And the final pillar is the relationship readiness pillar. And that pillar says that relationship readiness is a whole person self-assessment. And basically, the whole person self-assessment is based on five factors. Timing, satisfaction with the relationship, mutuality, soulmate potential, and character. The five factors of relationship readiness influence whether a person feels like they're holistically prepared. There's that word again, holistically prepared to handle the pressures of being in a committed relationship. If they do feel holistically prepared, then they're more likely to engage in relationship formations behaviors and their primary focus will be on finding a suitable partner. If they're not relationship ready, even if they do date, even if they do entertain prospects, they're unlikely to invest or commit to a relationship. So you'll know that you're ready to invest in relationship behavior when you have high levels of life satisfaction and high levels of well-being, which is why those pillars were highlighted before this one. And that's because living well and thriving while you're single will increase your capacity to love well and thrive in your relationships before and after getting married. Let me explain. There's a researcher named Bella DiPaolo. She studies lifelong singles. Her her work is focused on singleness. Her research teaches us that the happiest singles are the ones who cultivate life satisfaction and well-being. They have specific characteristics that enable them to enjoy their lives and be content with their single status, even for a lifetime. So some of the things that she's highlighted in her research about lifelong singles, the happy ones have a greater sense of personal mastery. They have a can-do attitude and a sense that they can do just about anything that they set their mind to. Happy lifelong singles are more self-sufficient. They like handling problems and challenges mostly on their own. They're more open-minded. They're more original, curious, and imaginative. They're less neurotic. They're less likely to be tense or moody or to worry. They are more agreeable. They are more considerate, kind, and trusting. They're more conscientious and they're more reliable, organized, and thorough, and they're also more extroverted. These are the qualities of happy, lifelong singles. All of those qualities are beneficial in a relationship to an extent. I will talk about that more in depth, the kind of characteristics that singles should develop, cultivate while they're single, and then the kinds that you should kind of be cautious of in your marriage because they can be more damaging in a relationship than they are by yourself. For example, being self-sufficient, while it's very helpful and beneficial as a single person, it can cause a lot of problems in your marriage, especially for women, interestingly enough. These are qualities that happy singles have. And while I'm not saying that you should learn how to be happy for a lifetime by yourself, I am saying that you should be mindful of 
your state of well-being and your state of life satisfaction because as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, happier people tend to find partners and they become happier couples. So you want to work on personal mastery. You do want to learn to be more open-minded. You do want to be able to manage your emotions well and be more kind and exudes the fruit of the spirit that are highlighted in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. These are qualities that are good to have anyway. These are qualities that are good for all relationships. These are things that are just good for you. So it's definitely important to be aware of those because they help you be more relationship ready. But more than that, thinking about the five factors of relationship readiness, those are super important. Timing is very important in a relationship. If you don't feel ready, if the person you're dating doesn't feel ready, you're never going to make that leap. You're never going to take the leap into a committed, invested relationships. That's why you have people who are in relationships for three, five, seven years waiting to get married. The timing was off or it could be the person was off. You was never supposed to be with them, but you did. And now you don't want to leave because you've already invested so much into that. And then satisfaction with a relationship. Basically, when I mentioned being aware of your assets and liabilities, that's pretty much the gist of satisfaction with a relationship. When a person believes that they have more benefits, more assets in a relationship than liabilities, they're more likely to be satisfied, which means they're more likely to stay. They're more likely to invest in the relationship and commit to the relationship. So you want to make sure that you have more assets for one, so that you can be relationship ready. And then for two, so that when you meet somebody that you would like to have a serious relationship with, they feel like you're worth keeping. And I don't want to make it sound cold like that, but even as we're we're thinking that way, even if we're not doing it consciously, that's why we always look at people, what they're doing. Women are attracted to men who work, for example. And men, some men are attracted to women who work. Because if you see somebody that's not doing anything, they look like a liability. So you want to avoid them because you feel like I'm not going to be satisfied with them in a relationship. Even if you're not using that language while you're evaluating him, that's what's occurring to you at a subconscious level. And satisfaction with a relationship is very important when it comes to relationship readiness. And then mutuality is all about reciprocity. Do they like me? I like them. Do you like do you like me? And if if that's not there, there's y'all the two are not ready for a relationship. It's pointless to sit around waiting for a dude to like you. If he doesn't like you, I don't care how you figure it out. If you find out he doesn't like you, he's not interested in being in a relationship with you, then let it go. You're not relationship ready for him. Go find someone who shares your interests. Soulmate potential is based on preferences. I cover that in the first podcast about why women are single. And then character, I covered that as well. The qualities to look for in a in a spouse, those are based on non-negotiables. All those five factors are super essential when it comes to relationship readiness. But as I said, the four pillars that come before relationship readiness pillar, well-being, life satisfaction, and faith, um, I'm sorry, three pillars, those are the most important ones to focus on. Those are the ones that help you own your singleness. And I truly believe that if you own those three pillars, then you will naturally become relationship ready because like I said, happy, healthy, and prosperous singles become happy, healthy, and prosperous spouses. And I have to add to that, it usually happens in sudden, unexpected ways. So how do you live and love well? 
by owning your singleness. The whole purpose of the Own Your Singleness podcast is to inspire you to live intentionally, victoriously, and excellently as a single woman so that you can one day live well and enjoy love overflowing in vitality and ecstasy with your spouse. Don't live well to get a spouse. Live well because God blessed you with life and he wants you to live abundantly as unto the Lord. So until next time, Live well now and love well daily. God bless. Thank you for tuning in with me today on the Own Your Singleness podcast. My name is Jessica Ann Hutton. Whether this is your first time or if you're coming back for more, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to some great content, have fun, laugh a little, learn, and just feel empowered to live and love well. It would also help if you left a review. I invite you to go wherever you're listening to this episode and leave us a comment and review the show. Tell me what you love about the episode or better yet, tell me what you want to hear more about in the future. And then finally, if you'd like to receive daily daily inspiration, encouragement, and strategies to live and love well. And if you're eager to connect with people who are on a similar journey, then join the Own Your Singleness Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I provided links to each platform in the description. Until next time, live well now and love well daily. God bless.